0: What's good, Double Dribble Gang? As always, I'm your host, Jordan Harper. And I've got a packed show today, um, breaking down Alabama's first two games in the NCAA tournament, kind of going down the bracket and seeing all the upsets that have happened, all the double-digit seeds which broke an NCAA tournament record to make it into the second round. Um, break down some of those games, some big names now out of the tournament, such as Ohio State and Illinois early. Uh, Kansas fell to USC last night. Um, so this tournament's pretty open outside of Gonzaga and Baylor, who's been number one and two all year long. This tournament's pretty open and I'm going to break down some of what's happened, how Alabama has fared so far. So let's just get right into it. Alabama versus Iona, first round matchup on Saturday. Alabama defeats Iona 68-55, but it was actually pretty close throughout the game. It was a one point game at halftime. Iona was playing really good defense, forcing Alabama off the three point line. um so Alabama only shot thirty one percent from three and it seemed like they kind of went away from it because they only shot sixteen times when they typically shoot about thirty. So Iona forced them to make layups, which they could not do for majority of the game. I believe they shot around fifty percent or a little lower um and shots three feet and in and that's how you lose in a big-time upset is if you don't make the bunnies the easy shots, then you're going to be in trouble, especially when you're not shooting the three-ball well or shooting many at all. So Alabama forced 15 turnovers, which we met, I mentioned on the podcast before the tournament started that Allen was one of the worst teams when it came to turning the ball over in the country, and they turned it over 15 times. But Alabama also turned it over 14, so they kind of evened out in that regard. But this game was one on the glass. Alabama out-rebounded on a 37 to 25. And really in the end, they didn't have a player that could stay in front of Javon Quinterly. And Javon Quinterly started going to work in the second half, um, you know, blowing by his on-ball defender and laying it in or kicking it out to somebody for a three. So, relatively, Alabama had a pretty tough game early on. no matter what the the score says, even though it's double digits. That's about what you should beat a 15 seed, about, you know, 15, 20 points. Um, so Alabama moved on to face the winner of UConn and uh, Maryland. And Maryland surprisingly won that game fairly easily. They I believe they led it wire to wire or close to it. So everybody was kind of thinking Alabama was going to face UConn. And several people had UConn moving on to face um to the Sweet Sixteen, if they did face Alabama, mainly because of their great guard play and James Boutenot. Um, But that wasn't the case. Maryland give them credit, um, bounced them um, fairly easily. So Alabama went, moved on to face Maryland, which, to me, Maryland was not a or was a great matchup for Alabama, mainly because Maryland doesn't have any bigs down low. I mean, they got length all the way around. I believe their smallest player they put in the starting lineup was six five. So, and they got a future pro in Aaron Wiggins who went off on Alabama. It seemed like he was the only guy that was consistently making shots, and he made 11 of 17. It seems like every three he got was wide open. But it wasn't enough as Alabama defeated Maryland 96 to 77 to move on to their first sweet 16 burst since 2004, the year that they made the Elite Eight before a losing to the eventual national champions, the Yukon Huskies with Eric Ben Gordon, Emeka Okafor, Josh Boone, and those boys. Incredible team to watch back then. But Alabama just thoroughly dominated Maryland after a little slow start going down seven points early on, similar to kind of what they went down um, against Iona. But Maryland was hitting everything early on, hit six straight at one point. Um, and Alabama got off to a little bit of a slow start. But once those threes started raining down, after Shackford made his first one to pull it within five, Alabama just took off from there. They made 16 of 33 threes, which 33 is about the number that they need to be attempting a game. So 16 of 33, shooting you know, nearly 50% from three with a team that shoots 33 of them. I mean, I spell that's that's doomsday for the other team. There's not many teams that's going to beat Alabama. Heck, I don't think Gonzaga can beat Alabama when they're shooting 17 or making 16, 17, 18 threes in a game because their defense is just too too good to overmatch what they're doing from three point range. So shooting 16 of 33 and then shooting 53% overall from the field and not missing a single free throw because free throws was a big problem against Iona, because they shot around 50% from the free throw range. Let me see what they shot overall. Let us pull this up here. So yeah, they shot 13 of 23 from the free throw line. You add half of that, that's close to a 20-point win. So free throws are big in the NCAA tournament, and they fixed that problem pretty quick. Um, for a pretty quick turnaround. So, yeah, so pretty much everybody was on on point, on fire against Maryland. I mean, Maryland had some good wing defenders, a lot of length on the perimeter. But ultimately, I mean, the spacing, Javon Quinterly breaking down the defense. I mean, he had 11 assists. He had nine assists in the first half, finished with 11, um, finished with a double-double at 14-11. So they didn't have anybody quick enough to stay in front of him. And then he had a wide open shackleford uh, multiple times. He went five of eight from three. John Petty finally got on the board um, and started hitting big shots, finished four of nine from three. And then Alex Reese, who has been a guy that has really stepped up for this team in the tournament so far. He had three more threes today, and it was a welcome sight to see Josh Primo back hitting a couple threes. So you got contributions from everybody in this game outside of Herb Jones, who was in foul trouble all game, only played 17 minutes, scored six points. So that's even bigger that Alabama nearly scored 100 points and won by, what, 19 points without the SEC Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year playing big minutes. So that just shows the depth that Alabama has. They can rotate these guys in. You got Alex Reese. Then Primo and Quinterly all off the bench, you know, scoring, what, 37 points off the bench? That's crazy. Let me see how how many points Maryland had off the bench. Yeah, they had nine points. I'm not sure Iona had over five. So when you have a bench like that that can score 20, 30 points a game, that's tough to beat, man. That's tough to beat. That's why Nate Oates loves bringing Javon Quinterly off the bench. Even though he's typically in within five minutes of the start of the game, he just brings that needed spark, that energy to kind of help the players or pick up the players if they're starting to get either tired or discouraged or whatever. Javon Quinterly is going to bring it night in and night out. And that's, that's huge off the bench. So, and they Maryland didn't have anybody off the bench that could come out and defend. Um, they tried Galen Smith, but he got lost a couple times um, on Alex Reese, leading the two wide-open threes. Um, all of Maryland's starters played 30 minutes or so, so they wore down late. Um, while it was an 11-point lead, John Petty hit back-to-back threes to make it a 17-point lead. And then Shaq came down when they tried to run a 3-2 shell defense and just threw a little entry pass to the free-throw line to Reese, who kicked it back out to Shaq, knocked a three in, pushed it to 21, and it was ball game after that. So Alabama with two double-digit wins in the NCAA tournament, and now they move on to face UCLA, who defeated Michigan State in the play-in game, and then they defeated BYU in the second round game, and then the third round or in the um, second round game technically, they beat Abilene Christian, who de- upset Texas, who was a big name out of the tournament because. Alabama was always all projected to face Texas in the Sweet 16, where a lot of people projected Texas to go to the Elite Eight. Some have them go to the Final Four. So that was a big name to get out in the first round, especially for Alabama. Having Alabama Alabama would much rather face UCLA than Texas, I'll tell you that much. So let's kind of dive into Alabama versus UCLA, Okay. Looking at the numbers here, you find UCLA is 24th in Ken Palm. while Alabama's eighth? UCLA is known for having one of the slowest pace of play in the country. They rank 337th in the country in adjusted tempo. So they like to slow it down and make you play the game clock, or make you play the make you play the play clock, or the shot clock. And run it all the way down and get a good shot whether it's they don't shoot that great from three but they shoot very well from the mid-range and they try to get to the hole so it's going to be a similar style to what maryland played and iona that tried to slow the tempo down Okay, alabama struggled with iona because iona really controlled the tempo for majority of the game and that's what kind of frustrated alabama but maryland when they tried to slow the tempo down Alabama just sped them up. They did a better job in the second game, speeding Maryland up, forcing them turnovers, and then getting out and running and hitting transition threes. Alabama's going to have to do the same thing against UCLA. They're going to have to do the same thing. So Alabama's game plan should be to attack Juzang, and then you got Tiger Campbell, who's going to be a good matchup for Javon Quinterly because they're both very similar height, they're both sub-six-foot th- point guards. And Javon Quinterly is going to be able to stay, um, be able to man up on them, and they're not going to have to worry about switching at all. So they're, they're he's probably going to be fighting over a lot of screens to try to stay with Tiger so he doesn't get switched on some of their wing players. So they have – UCLA has three uh, big-time scorers. Um, they call them the three Js: Johnny Juzang, Johnny Juzang, a little tongue twister, and then Jaime Hawkes Jr. and then Jules Bernard. Those are three guys that you really have to worry about with um, UCLA. All those gu- guys are guards outside of Jaime, who's kind of a combo guard forward. Um, all of them are about six six, so g- they got a lot of length. They don't have a true big guy, so that's good. That's very similar to what you or what Maryland did, I'm um, did. But Alabama's still going to have their hands full because UCLA has the talent. They always have the talent, so they're going to be able to match them talent for talent. It's just who's going to make shots, who's going to get the big time stops. So, I mean, GZ got averages 15 points They're they have six players that average double digits so they're pretty balanced they're pretty deep um i mean it's it's going to be a great test now ucla did lose four in a row at the end of the season and ended up in the play-in game so they were struggling but a lot of teams that end up in the first four always find seem at least one team seems to find their stride once they get into the tournament in that first four so UCLA is on a roll right now. I don't think they've played anybody great. Obviously, Michigan State has a big name, but they have struggled all year. And then BYU played well the Gonzaga in the, you know, the West Coast Conference Championship. They end up fostering late. UCLA is obviously going to be the most talented team Alabama has seen in the tournament so far, but so is Alabama for UCLA. So... That's going to be a fantastic matchup. I'm looking forward to it. It's Sunday at 6 15 back at Hinkle Fieldhouse where Alabama played Iona on last Saturday. Um, so, this is a ber- chance for a burst to the Elite Eight to face the winner of Michigan um, and Florida State. And obviously, whoever's going to have wins this game is going to have their hands full with either of those teams. So, I think Alabama's personally going to win um it's going to be a pretty close game throughout i think they might pull away at the end with free throws or some late game threes that's my personal opinion i think alabama will win this game so don't come to me when if they lose saying i jinx them because i mean it doesn't matter what i say because if i say Alabama's going to lose they're probably going to lose what whatever i say or when i predict games for alabama They typically lose. I should stay away from it, but I'm not. I'm confident. Alabama's playing well. If Alabama's hitting threes, nobody in the country can beat them outside of maybe Gonzaga, and I still think Alabama can beat Gonzaga if they're hitting threes like they did against Maryland. So until they prove me wrong, I'm going to be a confident fan. I'm not going to be a fan that just likes to say, oh, they're going to lose and hope they win type of thing, so I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm going to confidently say I think Alabama's going to win this game. Don't hit me up on Twitter if they lose, because I will block you. Not really. Let's look at the NCAA tournament so far. Like I said, there's been a lot of upsets. Um, Going down the bracket here, you know, in the second round, you had Gonzaga and Oklahoma. Gonzaga obviously won that. Then you had Ohio beating Virginia. Now, this was an upset that a lot of people predicted, myself included. Virginia was in COVID protocol during the ACC tournament, and then they wouldn't wasn't getting to Indianapolis till late Friday evening, which meant they had to have a day turnaround and play the next day. I believe they played around 4 or 5 o'clock. Maybe wrong. But that's a quick turnaround. Ohio is a very good team, and they ended up beating Virginia. Then you had USC and Kansas, and this was – this was a game I thought would be a good game, and ended up not being. USC just thoroughly dominated Kansas, gave Kansas the worst their worst loss in program history in the NCAA tournament. I mean, the Mobley brothers, especially Evan Mobley, future top five pick um, this upcoming draft, just thoroughly dominated Kansas from start to finish. I remember looking at the score; it was twelve to seven when I was watching another game, and. It was the Alabama game? Yeah, I was watching an Alabama game, and I looked up at the score, and it was twelve to seven. And it seemed like at halftime, they were up by twenty already. And I'm like, "Goodness!" So yeah, USC blitzed Kansas and beat them. Um, Oregon won because against VCU because VCU had a lot of contact tracing and positives in their program. Um, so VCU actually had to forfeit the only forfeit so far um, in the tournament because of COVID. So Oregon won and moved on to face to Iowa, and then I watched that whole game. Oregon was playing pretty much like Alabama did against Maryland, hitting every shot. Chris Duarte, Will Richardson, L.J. Figura, they were on point that game, and they're going to be a tough out. You're going to have a Pac-12 matchup of USC and Oregon in the Sweet 16. that will be a good. That'd be a good game. You have Michigan and LSU. LSU beat St. Bonaventure, and LSU was beating Michigan. Most of the first half, and then it got close, and then Michigan ended up pulling away in late in the second half after a back-and-forth game. That was a really fun game to watch. Um, you got Colorado and Florida State in the second round, and Florida State ended up pulling away um, over Colorado, so setting up a Michigan-Florida State battle. Obviously, UCLA and Abilene Christian played in the second round, where UCLA won, and Alabama beat Maryland, setting up a UCLA and Alabama Sweet 16 matchup. Had Baylor in Wisconsin, which wasn't really a close game. Uh, Baylor led by double digits most of the time and ended up beating Wisconsin. Then you got Villanova in North Texas, where Villanova pulled away, um, was up 20 most of the second half. Wasn't really a contest, uh, which is very impressive considering Villanova is without their best player, Colin Gillespie. But they're going to really miss him against Baylor, which should be a fascinating matchup. because you know, Jay Wright's going to have their guys prepared. (laughs) Yeah, Texas Tech and Arkansas was probably the game of the day Um, when they played Arkansas won by one point. Texas Tech had a couple good chances late with wide open layups and missed them both. And Matt McClellan missed the front end of a one-and-one late as well to take the lead. So Texas Tech obviously had their chances, but Arkansas ended up pulling away. And then Florida and Oral Roberts, which was a pretty big upset um, after Oral Roberts defeated Ohio State. Um, in the first round, which was a monster upset. Nobody saw that coming. And Oral Roberts ended up beating Florida. Florida was up, I believe, four or five late in the game, and Oral Roberts hit a couple big shots to pull ahead, and Florida was unable to win it on their final possession. So it sets up an Arkansas-Oral Roberts matchup in the Sweet 16. You have Illinois and Loyola in the second round. Loyola pulls off the upset a lot of people had illinois myself included in the national championship game but a lot of people second guessed or d- and doubted loyola chicago who is actually a top 10 Palm team and one of the the top defensive team in the country and they showed it they shut down Io desumo and kofi Co- kofi coburn and i mean they they looked fantastic they're going to be a tough out as well um Then you had Oregon State and Oklahoma State. And surprisingly, Oregon State keeps their hot streak alive. After beating Tennessee handily in the first round, they come out and beat Oklahoma State, who was also a trendy national championship game pick, or especially a Final Four pick, and they're out in the second round as well. So a lot of big-time teams. Kay Cunningham, fantastic year for um, Oklahoma State gonna be the number one overall pick um, in the NBA draft this year, and deservedly so, gets knocked out in the second round. So that sets up a Loyola Chicago and Oregon State matchup in the Sweet 16, just like we all predicted. You have Syracuse and West Virginia, where Syracuse, um, Buddy Bayheim, continues his tear, scoring 30 points, defeating West Virginia, putting them out in the second round. Then you had Rutgers and Houston, where it was a pretty close game all the way up until the end, where Houston barely ends up squeaking out a victory over Rutgers. So now you got your Sweet 16 matchup set: Gonzaga Creighton on the left side in the West, and then USC against Oregon. I think Gonzaga is going to handle Creighton. I don't think Creighton's athletic enough to be able to hang with Gonzaga. Then you got USC and Oregon. I I had Oregon in my bracket to go to the Elite Eight, and I'm going to stick to it. Um, I had a beat in Kansas, but I still think they'll end up beating USC. Their guard play is just fantastic and too much to handle for USC. Setting up a Gonzaga-Oregon Elite Eight battle. you got Michigan and Florida State. This is probably going to be the game of the Sweet 16 to me, um, just because both teams are elite. And either team that wins this will have a great chance to go to the Final Four. Um, I think I think Michigan's going to end up pulling it out. I actually had Michigan losing to LSU last round in my bracket because I didn't know if they'd be able now, their star player, Livers, if they'd be able to match LSU um, talent-wise and shooting-wise, but they locked down defensively at the end of that game, and I think they're going to beat Florida State. Then you got UCLA-Alabama, and I said Alabama would win that game. In the south bracket, you got Baylor and Villanova. I think Baylor's probably going to win that game. I think it would probably be pretty close up until late in the second half. Baylor will pull away. Then you got Arkansas and Oral Roberts, and I think Arkansas is just going to destroy Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts had a fantastic run, but Arkansas's talent is really good, and they're playing well right now after losing LSU in the SEC tournament, setting up a very interesting Baylor-Arkansas Elite Eight matchup. Then you have Loyola, Chicago, and Oregon State. I think Oregon State's run ends in the Sweet 16. Loyola's defense is too good. Um, and then Syracuse and Houston at the bottom half of the bracket. And I pick Houston to go to the Elite Eight, but I think Syracuse is going to win this game the way they're playing. Their defense, their 2-3 zone, the Patton 2-3 zone from Jim Bayheim. Um, is going to Stymie Houston and Buddy Beharum. He is an unstoppable force right now, and I like Syracuse to move on to face Loyola Chicago, and to have a 11 seed or a Loyola Chicago again that can make another run to a Final Four would be an incredible story. The Midwest bracket is in shambles. None of, outside of Houston, none of these teams people thought would make it to the Sweet 16. So anything that comes out of the Midwest is going to be surprising to me. So that's kind of the breakdown of what I had for the NCAA tournament so far. And it's been a crazy tournament. People are talking like the Sweet 16 is has got bad matchups, and I disagree. I think Gonzaga Creighton is a pretty... If Creighton shoots like it did last game against Ohio, they can hang with Gonzaga. I just don't think they have um, the talent to do so. USC-Oregon is a fantastic matchup. Michigan-Florida State is. UCLA and Alabama is an intriguing one. Um, Baylor-Villanova is intriguing. And outside of that, if you want to watch Loyola and Oregon State, that would probably be an intriguing game. But I still like some of the matchups. Um, I think a lot of the big dogs are going to start winning in the Sweet 16 and give you better matchups in the Elite Eight um, for the likes of Gonzaga, Michigan, Alabama, Baylor. And then, like I said, the Midwest is in shambles, so you can kind of overlook that. That's just going to be – I don't know what it's going to end up being, but it's going to be fascinating um, to see who makes it out of that region because it's truly wide open. But that's the end of the show today. I went over a lot of content for Alabama's games and um, how they match up with UCLA. Uh, went over the NCAA tournament bracket, kind of seeing how it's shaping out, how I think it's going to go into the Elite Eight. Um, so Alabama versus UCLA, Sunday at 6.15 at Hinkle Field House on TBS for a chance to go to the Elite Eight for the first time since 2004. Expect a big game from Herb Jones. Um, him getting a foul trouble kind of took him out of the game. And I think he's going to be, um, he's going to be a monster. Um, John Petty's getting hot. Jaden shackford has been hot. Alex Reese is contributing. Javon Quinterly's a star. I just think it's too much star power, too much balance, too much, too much depth. Um, I think Alabama's going to end up beating UCLA. Um, so I'll end up probably doing another podcast. Um, depending on how the game shapes out um, on Sunday. If they do falter and lose, I will do a podcast probably Monday. Um, If they do win, I'll probably hold off and wait and do one after the Elite Eight matchup because I want to kind of get both of those into the same show um, if they do win in the Sweet 16. So hopefully Alabama can move on to the Elite Eight and we'll have another game to talk about. But until then, thanks for tuning in to the Double Dribble Podcast. My name's Jordan Harper, and until next time, adios.